As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. Listening to Burn and Return, a weekly one hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turf grass industries. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of Burn and Return. If you're tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast that dives into the hottest, most impactful screaming, exciting, brain-busting, blast-in-your-face news from the green industry. Um, I'm going to be your host. My name is Matt, the Grass Factor Martin, and alongside me are the gentlemen who lift me up in, uh, in who lift me up. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. We have okay. uh, Ryan DeMay and Ray Ito. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing this evening? Absolutely fantastic. Couldn't couldn't have had a better intro. I was going to say meaty, juicy, and then you ended it with blast on your face, and that would have probably <laughs> tripped the sensor. So thank you, sir. <laughs> Ray, what's going on? Well, nothing earth-shattering. Nothing earth-shattering. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, you know, this week, gentlemen, we're going to be doing something a little bit different, and I, I hope at some point to get one of my sources in here um, to, to be able to dispel on the topic du jour. And the topic du jour is going to be uh, the fertilizer crisis that we have kind of sounded the alarm on in episodes leading up to this one. Well, um, and we said that we were kind of poised for a situation where uh, we may be running into these things. Well, guess what? It's happened. Uh, and so we wanted to make this a special episode where we actually dive into what that means when we say we're in the midst of a fertilizer crisis. So bear with us. It's going to be uh, structured a little bit differently today just because uh, there's so much to unpack. There's a lot of different sources on this. We've got inside sources that are a little bit nervous to come on the show. That was one of the things we were working to make a reality was uh, to preserve some anonymity because these types of people that are traders and brokers on the fertilizer space, it's very, very incestuous, a lot like uh, the lawn care industry is or a lot like sports turf industry is or golf is, um, you know, we all know each other. Right. And same on that space. And if if somebody's kind of sounding the alarm as to what's going on internally and other people don't want to hear that, um, then it can it can ruffle some feathers, so to speak. And so there was a little bit of apprehension to come on, uh, even though we we you know would would be able to preserve anonymity. It's just it's, it's a little too close to home. And um, but uh, steering us into some directions and some things to look at and uh, and some some companies that will be mentioned uh, that are all uh, uh, playing a role in what we are experiencing. And so for those of you that don't know, uh, we are in the midst of uh, a fertilizer shortage like we've never seen in our lifetime. Uh, and so we're going to pack down, uh, unpack the details of that. 
Um, for the uh, because of the the patrons and uh, YouTube members, we're gonna have an extra special uh, episode this week. We're gonna do an extra an extra week of content. We have a special uh, episode. It's gonna be a little a little uh, a lakeside fireside chat, so to speak, with uh, Princess Cut Lawn Care, another uh, uh, YouTube lawn care creator. And so we chose it out of spot midweek to be able to bring him on and. We're going to ask a bunch of questions and let him ask us a bunch of questions and see what comes out on the other side. But I think in the long run, we'll have a good time with it um, and uh, and hopefully tell some good jokes along the way and all that fun stuff that makes us all laugh. Am I right or am I right? I'm going to go ahead and say I, I'm right. You're right. It'll be fun. You're right. Be real good. Be real good and stuff. <laughs> yeah. We'll just repick the original thumbnail that I had picked out because uh, it was it was criticized for being a, little, a bit too avant-garde. So, gentlemen, because <laughs> what 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 were you going to say to me? What's that? I, I got to go back and look at it and see what I see. Um, uh, it reminds me of Horace Grant with his Rex specs getting <laughs> fucked by a striped pussy. That's what it looks like. We'll have to share this in the show is- notes. He just... <laughs> it well, looks like it, he's frothing at the mouth, too. It's, oh. it's an open head, and and it's full of it's full of sand, and a cat is using it as a oh, box. Oh, now I see the shit. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen pink cat shit before. Actually, is that lavender? Is that lavender? No, I can't tell. No, you know what, Demi? Fuchsia what this maybe. reminds Fuchsia. me of is this phrase I learned in German, where concisely translated, uh, it's used to refer to people with no sense in that the little translation for the phrase says someone must have shit in your head and forgotten to stir it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is probably where the saying the lump of shit three feet above your ass comes from, right, Ray? (laughs) (laughs) Man. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, so what we basically what we've decided though is that part of the show will now be Matt does a finger painting once a week and we get to interpret it here on the show. So that was this week's. <laughs> we'll share it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. This Matt is, is an uh, artist. This is a Rorschach test. Yes. Yep. We'll see what the ink block cards. Man, I can only imagine what uh, if we get Ray on death and me on dick jokes and Matt on life, uh, life ink, and uh, ink plots. In plots, yeah, yep. <laughs> Matt on, uh, you know, uh, universal destruction. I think we can come up with some pretty good sights and sounds. <laughs> I really do. We'll have to. We'll have to make that a part of it. All right. So speaking of universal destruction, uh, fire and brimstone, and all the other, yeah, the, all the other great things that are, you know, potentially on deck here. Right. Let's dig into this a little bit. Go ahead, Matt. All right, so we're going to bust through a series of headlines here that talk about things from a... Uh... Nothing to fear here. This is just the news. Just the news. Uh, we, we're going we're gonna to bounce through a series of, of headlines, and it's going to be... Um, uh, we're we're going to kind of burn through all of these, right? Uh, because it, it paints a picture of what's happening uh, locally here within the United States, but also from a global perspective of what's going on. And and then we're just going to riff on a bit of what this means for the uh, upcoming year. 
All right, so the first headline we have here is going to be from uh, Routers, and this is in uh, response to CF Industries. And for those of you that don't know, CF Industries is um, one of the the, the largest uh, uh, producers of, of nitrogen and suppliers of ammonia uh, in the United States. So a lot of times what will happen is that a company like CF Industries will produce a, a ton of ammonia and then sell it out to other companies. Uh, like Coke Industries, like TCS or Allied Nutrients or Nutrient or whoever to be able to produce it, to, to be able to take it from that form, the ammonia form, and then turn it into urea, for instance. Um, and this is not going to count towards ammonium sulfate because typically ammonium sulfate is a byproduct. Um, the only company that actually is reacting uh, ammonium sulfate with sulfuric acid and ammonia is American Plant Food out of Texas. So I just want to to kind of make sure everybody understands that basis. So the ammonium sulfate from American plant food would also fall into this category of CF Industries because CF Industries may be an ammonia producer for American plant food because they use that. But other sources of ammonium sulfate will be relatively, it's going to face a strain because of the um, the added pressure put on them because they're not relying on ammonia. It's a byproduct a, a byproduct of uh, of uh, steel pickling and stuff. Okay, so uh, here we have uh, CF Industries. A shortage of nitrogen fertilizer due to soaring natural gas prices is threatening to reduce global crop yields next year. CF Industries, a major producer of the crop nutrient, said on Thursday, European gas prices have jumped amid high demand as economies recover from the pandemic with the below average gas storage levels at the start of the winter heating season. So did you catch that? We're already starting at a below average gas storage level leading into this Eating season. At one point, we were budgeting for a 1% colder winter normal. That's what we had in reserves. Apparently, from what the inside sources that I've been hearing is, is that a lot of that reserve has been dipped into at this point to lessen the burden, the, uh, the, the uh, crop production burden that's going on in Europe. So what we were saving for internal use here in the United States has now been exported to uh, uh, lessen some of the global issues that are being faced around the world related to natural gas right now. Who's going to get the scarce tons that are out there? There's going to be a lot of unmet demand that's going to be pent up, CF Chief Executive Tony Will told an analyst on a conference call. And so we do think yield is going to be on a global basis off next year, not because of demand destruction, just because there's not enough tons available. Prices of nitrogen fertilizer, one of the most commonly used fertilizers to boost production of corn, canola, and other crops, are at the highest levels in more than a decade. Hurricane Ida also hit CF's ammonia plant in Louisiana in late August, forcing them to halt production. Strong global fertilizer demand looks to set to last into at least at least 2023, CF Senior Vice President of Sales, Bert Frost said. U.S.-based CF's predictions of constrained crop production echo those last months of Norwegian rival Yara International, which warned rising fertilizer costs would drive up food prices and could lead to famine. Russia will limit exports of nitrogen fertilizer for six months to try and curb any further increase in food prices, as Prime Minister said. Okay, that's enough of that article. I'm going to move on to article number two here. Uh, and this is going to be from AgWeb. AgWeb says here, a nitrogen shortage is brewing, so what will it take to cure the world's fertilizer deficiency? Uh, CF Industry said everything is going haywall. Uh, while, the projection, while the projection paints a dire outlook, current nitrogen prices also portray a bleak scenario. 
StoneX Group says, according to their data, the Midwest wholesale anhydrous ammonia nitrogen prices have risen, risen approximately $434 since September 10th. Since September 10th, a 65% increase in a month. In a month. While farmers can cut back on some inputs, nitrogen is a necessity in growing corn, but one agricultural economist says it's not a definite that fertilizer prices will continue to raise higher. There's plenty of time for new information to enter these things. We usually focus on the output price side. It is a year to focus on the input price and how to manage those things. So we have to get back to our fundamentals and really watch how we enter and uh, how we enter and walk through this. Uh, so what would need to happen to tame the input prices like nitrogen fertilizer? Uh, the past few months have produced several black swan events in the fertilizer market, but a black swan could also cure the price hike. Right now, we have almost a perfect storm of high energy prices, China cutting its production because of high energy prices as well. In Europe, they're suffering through very high gas prices. Then we have supply disruptions in the United States. As painful as input prices are for U.S. farmers, South American producers are faced with a similar dilemma. And with Brazil forced to import most of their fertilizer needs, the situation in South America may even be more dire. Look at the lack of integration, for instance, for potassium-based fertilizer. I mean, we have prices in the U.S. now at almost $700 a metric ton, and the same in Brazil. However, the Vancouver price is $225. So yes, obviously, there are supply disruptions that could be resolved and transportation issues. So those could be resolved in that sense. If you look at the outlook of fertilizer, the World Bank says in 2022, we won't see price increases, but... Price will be steady at where they are. So in if you didn't catch that, that's a very positive spin on the way to say in 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 the vein of saying that the prices that we see here will be here for at least through 2022. It ain't getting better, but it may not actually get worse, which is a positive. However, for those of you that don't know, what would make it worse would be an exceptionally cold winter. If we do have an exceptionally cold winter, let me tell you, boys, FUBAR does not begin to put it into perspective. We have another one here that we're going to look at from Farm Policy News uh, from the Illinois uh, Department of Education, uh, or it, Illinois, uh, University of Illinois. Uh, here we see the average retail price of anhydrous set a record at $1,113 a ton after increasing 38% from last month. And if you don't recall, the previous month was up 64%. So we're looking at a 100% gain in a matter of two months. DTN considers a monthly price change of 5% or more to be significant. 5%. We increased 38%. That's a 7x time. When you take significant and you multiply it by over 7, that's what we're dealing with here. That is not an oh shit. That's an oh shit, 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 is where we're at there. To the eighth power. <laughs> yeah. This year, high prices are more related to sub supply chain issues. No, it's not. No, it's a, I don't know why that would be stated that we're dealing with supply chain issues. The fact is, is that we don't have any natural gas. That's what we're running into. Is that supply chain? Is that because to me supply chain sounds like oh we're having trouble getting it from the west coast to the east coast? I guess that would be logistics. So I guess technically yeah this could be supply chain. This this 
The entire fertilizer complex seeing higher prices, but the largest movers this month are nitrogen products. And on Friday, Bloomberg writer Aaron Elkin reported that fertilizer prices keep soaring to unprecedented heights, signaling escalating costs for farmers and consumers around the world. The green market's North American Fertilizer Price Index rose 4.4% to $1,094.35 per short ton on Friday, surpassing a record set a week earlier. Prices for New Orleans urea, a popular nitrogen, jumped 8.3 to $812 per short ton as major producer CF Industries warned of continuing shortages. Crop nutrient prices have been soaring as an energy pinch in Europe makes natural gas. The main feedstock for most nitrogen fertilizer, more, more costly. China and Russia are restricting nutrient exports to ensure sufficient domestic supplies. U.S. consumers are already seeing the steepest inflation since 1990. Now, let's add fertilizer shortages and the potential for famine on top of it. Now, we're going to check out the next article that we have here. And this is going to be from growintelligence.com. This is going to dive a little bit further into what's going on in Russia. Russia announced plans to impose export quotas on nitrogen fertilizer to ensure domestic supplies and contain price inflation. The move could further support surging fertilizer prices worldwide and tighten global fertilizer markets already surging for supply. Russia's announcement is the country's latest effort to keep domestic agricultural prices in check after taxes on wheat exports were introduced earlier this year. Russia plans to impose a six-month quota on various fertilizer exports. Nitrogen fertilizer exports will be limited to 5.9 million tons and shipments of complex fertilizers containing nitrogen to 5.35 million tons. This grow display details Russia's fertilizer export quantities and destinations. The biggest customers for Russians uh, uh, nitrogen fertilizers are the U.S. and Brazil. And for those of you that don't remember, we're also facing our own uh, a set of rules right now in the United States where UAN particularly is no longer being accepted from Trinidad and Tobago and Russia. That is, it has been uh, hit with a 39% price increase if it is imported from there because of the lobbying that took place by Mosaic that we talked about last week. Uh, and Mosaic Mosaic won. And they said, yep, yeah, you know what? We're not going to let them in here anyway when it comes to UAN uh, because their prices were a bit too fair. Russia's export quotas come on the heel of the fertilizer export bans already imposed by China, along with U.S. duties set on Russian Trinidad and Tobago phosphate. Uh, Turkey, a large fertilizer export, has also stopped shipments. These hurdles, as well as all, as uh, global fertilizer product uh, production issues, continue to trend to upend traditional trade flows and will likely keep uh, uh, fertilizer prices elevated through at least the first half of 2022. Since the end of June, urea cash prices are up 60 to 70 percent in the U.S. Midwest. Since the end of June, we're up 60 to 70%. When we're talking about year over year, we're talking about mega, mega increases, price increases that we have never seen before. This is unbelievable, gentlemen. Uh, China, the world's largest producer of phosphate, a key component in fertilizer, has banned phosphate, uh, phosphate exports until at least June of next year. Few of its supplies are exported to the U.S., but amid geopolitical discord among the U.S., Russia, and Trinidad and Tobago, the global customers that combined purchase 30% of China's phosphate are now direct competitors with the U.S. for what declining phosphate supplies remain available. The biggest buyers of China's fertilizer includes India, Pakistan, and countries in Southeast Asia. Farmers around the world are talking about switching their crops from cereals such as corn, wheat, and barley, which require fertilizers containing high levels of nitrogen, to soybean and pulses, which require less. But this, is only about, this isn't only about grains. It will also impact crops used to feed cattle and other livestock as well. Virtually all crop inputs have doubled in price from last year's lows as a rapid global expansion of supply chain bottlenecks have outpaced fertilizer uh, market expansion and quickly used up much of the available input supply on the world market. 
okay, that's real good and makes me feel awesome. So let's check out another one here just to make sure what I'm feeling is positive. Oh, here we go. Let's check out what's going on in in Australia, right? Record high fertilizer prices in Australia could disrupt food supplies. Experts believe farmers may ration use of fertilizer leading to lower yield and higher global food prices. Surging energy costs, which we've heard before, uh, is causing uh, problems. How about that? Modeling from Thomas Elder Market shows the price of fertilizer in Australia is at a record $1,320 per ton for purchase, freight, and discharge. Agricultural market analyst Andrew White, uh, Whitelaw says fertilizer prices have been rising since the start of the year, but have skyrocketed since August. We'll see more rationing as farmers will use less fertilizer because it's just too damn high. Fertilizer is one of the key components, ensuring we're also able to feed the world. If farmers are using less fertilizer, there's potential for lower yields. And if those lower yields, there's less food to go around. Organic wheat, for example, yields 30% less on average than the synthetically fertilized equivalent. The prices of the two main sources of energy used to produce fertilizer, natural gas and coal, have gone through the roof. And therefore, uh, we've run into this situation that we're now dealing with. Australia has previously, previously imported 60% of its monoammonium and diammonium phosphate, MAP and DAP, from uh, China, but has restricted airports of fertilizer while Russia has imposed a quota. So where they used to be able to get it from China, now they can't, or from Russia, now they can't uh, because of their own internal issue. So here we see Australia going through the same thing, and I've got one more here just to have um, uh, an absolute panic attack and make sure no one is sitting down comfortably right now. Pucker your asshole, gentlemen, because it's already extending over into India as well when it comes to DAP. Um, as November 15th approaches, the time for most farmers to sow their crops across countries running out. If the rabbit crop is not planted before mid-November, a bad harvest waits them in April. But what is the problem? Why can't farmers sow their winter crop? The answer lies in DAP, a chemical fertilizer is extensively used in sowing. Um, it, the there are reports from across India confirm that a growing shortage of DAP is an issue. Uh, uh, Rajasthan got less than fifty percent of its required DAP till early November. This put farmers in a tense spot. Most of them spent uh, Diwali night queued up outside of a cooperative societies trying to get their hands on DAP. Uh, the situation is getting out of hand as farmers are agitating against the shortage across the country. In various places, farmers have. Uh, occupied state agricultural ministers' residence, blocked roads, and even pelted stones once the police tried to violently remove them. There were instances of DAP looting. Farmers have committed suicide or died of exhaustion due to the non-availability of this crucial chemical. One farmer suffered a heart attack and had died while waiting in line for DAP. Gentlemen, is this a conspiracy? Are we in conspiracy world, or have we hit, have we hit full clown world yet? So to, to kind of add, and I don't, I don't want to give away too many of my sources here, but there, and what I am hearing from major blenders across the country right now is that people are running out of nitrogen and they don't know when they're going to get it back. I know people in the trade space that have EOs, purchase orders out with producers, with traders, with brokers, with barge companies. In the tons of 145 truckloads that are just sitting idle, offer to prepay up front, offer to pay on on uh, on re- receipt. We're not talking about extending any kind of crazy terms. All the things we use in the fertilizer industry to leverage how quickly you can get material and turn it around right now ain't working because there ain't none. Boys, what is going on? <laughs> hey. You know, perfect storm, right? 
I, whether it was destined to be this way or if it was COVID put us here or – I don't know that uh, trying to do a bunch of soul-searching right now is going to really put things in perspective until we get through this. So uh, how do we get here is less important than, like, what the fuck do we do? What right? are we going to do? And, yeah. Yeah. And so – in big terms, right? Big picture terms, the view from the nosebleed seats up here. I mean, obviously, like if if you're hearing this at a turf level, right, that means there's definitely impacts in the agricultural market, right? I mean, if you're hearing that these cats aren't getting fertilizer for what they need, that means that they're getting prioritized out of the market, right? At least temporarily. Who knows how long temporarily lasts? But that's a big deal. Never seen that before. I've never seen that before. Um, so I guess big picture, you know, we'll, we'll kind of work through this here, but big picture, I think you're just going to have to hunker down. I really do. I don't know that it's going to get appreciably better. You know, they're saying, you know, World Bank says that, uh, you know, through 2022 into 2023, my question is what happens in the spring next year when, you have all the idiots crawling out from under the rocks that doesn't know about this, right? And are panicked and are trying to go buy. Where does that send prices, right? So I think there's there's going to be a reckoning in the marketplace in the next six months, right? In terms of what do you want versus what do you need, number one. Number two, what's the cascading effect here? So like, you know, Brazil isn't going to get the yields that they need most likely, right? And then that puts the that puts a lot of pressure on the United States to deliver, right, for a lot of these crops. And what if we can't, right? Where does that put food and food supplies? You know, forget about prices for a second. Just actual, you know, the same thing. It's a cascading effect, right? If we don't have fertilizer and I can't give you enough for what you need, price only, you know, supply and demand only has a somewhat of an effect on that price. It just becomes a supply issue at that point, right? The demand's there, but hey, we just, listen, I don't have the corn to give you. I don't have the soybeans to give you, right? I just don't. What does that do to the futures markets? What's, I mean, there's, there's some serious issues there. Now, one thing I want to say, and I do want to get into this a little bit deeper here after, you know, we, we talk about the big picture implications is, you know, uh, the one thing that was mentioned in that uh, Illinois or Illinois and Nebraska article, uh, AgWeb article, where, you know, they're talking about this is the year that, you know, typically we focus on the output side economics, right? And this is for farmers and really in turf, like we don't have an output side economic that's a real driver, right? It's all inputs that's going to give us, you know, our P&L. So I'm interested to dive a little bit deeper into that of, okay, what do we do? What are the things we need to start thinking about as an industry? going into 2022 so with that mr ito you're teed up for all the death talk that you want right fire <laughs> brimstones people you know people fighting each other for a bag of fritos you know in a gas station yes whatever you can think mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. but at the very least uh what you're going to be looking at is being that nitrogen period is going to be scarce is and phosphorus is going to be scarce potassium is going to be scarce 
Spreeing pre and throw her down are basically no longer work- workable concepts. Oh yeah, that's what I think. That's what I think. I, I I think, and even for myself, I'm wondering now how hard is it going to be for me to get the actual materials that I do use. You know, how hard is it going to be? Am I going to be in a desperate situation for, say, 200 pounds of 2020 or 100 pounds of uh, stabilized urea? How desperate is that going to get? Although I'm pretty sure I'm not nearly as bad as the guys that are going to need, you know, Tons or truckloads of granular, uh, you know, ready-to-use fertilizer. Because I, my understanding is is that those guys are probably going to be hurting. Yeah, and I think that's what you're you're going to see. That I mean, just on a macro scale, scale within our industry, right? Not macro, macro, but macro within your, within our industry, the true greens of the world, the Home depots of the world, right? The the people that kind of build their business, not necessarily around, you know, to to this um, the article that I referenced. That point, they don't really worry or have had not to worry too much about the uh, input side, right? You mm-hmm. know, they've had a pretty predictable price, pretty predictable margins. But Matt, go ahead. You were going to say something. I interrupted. Sorry. No, I'm, I was going to say, and the thing like Home Depot gets to to run into there is that. They've already got a fairly large inventory, right? Um, and and so that will pad a little bit of this spring rush. So, you know, the 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 February, March, April timeframe, everybody may maybe you get this false sense of security that everything's fine. I go into Home Depot, there's fertilizer everywhere. I feel good. However, we start running into May, June, and July timeframes. And you start going in and it looks like the meat shelves that we see now, you know, where you go in and you go look at your beef and it's difficult to find, find beef in certain grocery stores right now. That It, it will be a dwindling down as inventories uh, dry up. And because you, you, you have to remember that with, when a lot of these major players are, are playing the fertilizer game, they're doing this on, on the commodity scale, right? Where they're, they're buying commodity contracts, 100 ton contracts. And the, 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 the problem is, is that these contracts are going to start drying up because there's not 100 tons to go around. So they may have their contracts in place where they can take delivery on these 100-ton blocks you know, through now. But that's why we're sounding the bell now is because they're getting it now. They'll get this first push put out, although some people are going to be caught with their pants down. And we're going to see that for the larger lawn care guys right now. We are going to run into that this spring. However, post spring in the summer and then in the fall, some of these major major producers are talking about, and this is again totally inside baseball here, and I'm not going to name which which companies are involved in this, but are talking about it's going to be second quarter, third quarter before they're even even turning on again, before they even have the raw materials necessary to turn on again, and that that is when we're going to be running into big issues. Is going to be the uh, 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 the summer months, the fall months, and then in the spring of next year is where yep. I think that 
we're, we're ahead of the gun on this, okay? Are you going to be able to buy a bag of urea in February if you're looking to buy a bag of urea? Probably. If you're trying to buy 300 tons of urea in February, you're going to be able to buy it. It's going to be real difficult unless you're buying it right now. If you're trying to buy 300 tons of DAP, unless you're trying to buy it for the fall seeding or for, for seeding or whatever it is you do in the fall, you probably need to buy it right now. If you're not buying it right now, chances are you won't be able to get it then. But if you've got the cash flow to be able to go ahead and put in the PO right now, chances are you'll be able to take delivery on it then. So it's 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 not the end, but it's going to be these people that come in and and are not accustomed to having to put in an order six, eight, 10 months in advance that are now being forced into this type of, of, of business situation and the product's not going to be there and it's going to be full-fledged panic. I guarantee you there are no outreach programs in agriculture. I know there's no outreach programs in the turf industry that are going or in, or in the nursery industry that are going around and having meetings with guys and coaching them through, this is how you're going to have to handle this. You're going to have to buy eight months in advance. Go talk to your bank. However, you've got to come up with the money. You need to start putting in POs now if you want it a year from now. That's the only way this is going to work. Without that happening, I feel like everybody is in such a panic right now. And this is purely opinion. I want to make that 100% clear. My opinion is, is that this came on so hard, so fast. And we talked about this. And now I will give credit to us on this show because we have been sounding the alarm on this for, what, two months now? Right. At least two months we've been talking about this. We sounded the alarm on this. And here it is. It's creeping up. We're starting to see it. And we're not pulling this from damn, uh, 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 you know, some news source off the, the coast of uh, uh, Costa Rica somewhere, you know, where some... Uh, expat is hiding down there because he's wanted for storming the capital, so to speak. This is coming from Reuters. This is coming from AgWeb. You see, you know what I'm saying? Like this ain't pretend. We 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 are not we are not in the pretend space anymore. This is not speculatory. We are full fledged in a a a a bad situation. It's not foobard yet. It is not foobard, but it's definitely foo food. And it it, it there's. Ryan, there's one thing you have said about this that just lingers in the back of my head and it and it it gnaws on my brainstem and it makes me feel like sometimes my head is a sandbox for, for cats to to pee and dump in. Um like my avant-garde meme I shared earlier. But yes. I, what will be the catalyst that corrects this? That is my fear. Is what is the corrective catalyst? Well, Okay, so this and and this is what uh you know scares me to I wouldn't say, scares is a little bit strong, but okay, so you know, just like any raw materials and and specifically commodities, right? Like you see Russia implementing quotas, you feel you see China throttling back because of energy costs, all this kind of stuff. Yes, they want to sell, they want to push their product, right? And um get it out in the global marketplace but if they can't and then that cascades into other things how protectionist do they get with some of these things and how much of this stuff goes offline that becomes you know um the self-fulfilling prophecy of okay is it even worth firing this thing back up right and what do you see what's the cascading effects in just business right 
mergers, acquisitions, all that kind of stuff. So again, not this is just let my me, opinion. Let me interrupt you just, right there. Go ahead. Let, let me interrupt you. When it, when you, exactly like you said about what is it going to take to fire this up? Is it even worth it? Let's think about natural gas investors over over the last eight years. No, we'll say we'll say twelve years. Natural gas investors. How many times have they been burned over the last twelve years? A lot. They have Quite been a bit, burned Matt. a lot. Yeah. So when Matt. it comes time for them, if they get it, if we get into a situation where it's like, oh, holy hell, we're in a we're in a hot mess. Let's turn this back on. That natural gas money that used to be there ain't going to be there no more because how many times are you going to get your hand bitten off by the teeth of an alligator before you stop putting your hand into the into the pit? You know what I'm saying? Especially when we got all kinds of other infrastructure plans and everything else taking place where there's ample money to be made. Why go back to to natural gas when it's already bit you in the ass that many times? So my my. My point is, is that I am of the mindset the investment dollars won't even be there if it does get to the situation of turning it back on, unless there's going to be a whole new brood of people who have not played the natural gas and get set on fire game. You know, my my take on this is here's what I've been hearing is. Natural gas. What does everybody think about when they think natural gas? What is the impression? Because I have one impression of it because I have a gas stove at home. I have a gas heater at water heater at home. But my own state pounds into everybody's head that gas is a Dirty, uh, antiquated, and evil—you know—energy resource. But okay, you also tell me that our supply of urea and ammonium nitrogen also comes from natural gas, and even in like. The good old state of California, which, by the way, Hawaii's trying to out California, California. But anyway, they have this uh, code such that you know natural gas appliances and devices are you know disfavored uh, as part of building an infrastructure, even in California. So, knowing that and hearing this kind of news, guys. What is a gas producer to sink? I mean, why would they even try to keep the lights on when in various states uh, they're told what a filthy and backwards way of providing, you know, heat and uh, power uh, their natural gases? Why would they even bother? I think the the play mat is uh, get all of your natural gas investors together, right, and look for that opening in the market, and then short the hell out of every fertilizer contract that you possibly can for late twenty three and twenty four. That's your play right there. Remember, I mean that, that's it's only a loss if you sell right now today. Okay, keep your money in the market. <laughs> yeah, so, because uh, uh, <laughs> go ahead. I, because I 
I, I've, I, you know, this has kind of hit home to me because up until now, I have never heard of natural gas being in such extreme shortage. And I believe that the shortage is basically induced or created by our environmental policy. Because it's not being, you know, produced not in the quantities that it used to be because, hey, all the municipalities say don't have gas stoves, don't have gas heaters, uh, don't have gas furnaces. Uh, get that out of here. Electric uh, is the way to go. So the overall market has been, you know, tampered with. All right. So let's think about this at the lawn care level, right? The folks that are listening in, whether it be, you know, a homeowner, a DIYer, or uh, an LCO, whether that's a one-man band all the way up to, hey, True Green execs, C-suite people, we know you're fucking listening. All right? Mm -hmm. Hi. Great to have you here. Uh, so here's my question, or here's a, a thoughts and a question, right? So first is, you know, obviously there's, there's some inventory out there right now with existing distributors, right, that you can look at and say, okay, like what Matt was saying, right? That, uh, you know, if you got inventory, hey, sit on that, that and kind of cushions the spring rush for us, right? But then as we get into next year, there's going to be some extreme, uh, I think extreme is, is not overstating it, um, shortages, right? And I don't think it's just going to be like the real uh, designer type stuff. I think you're going to see it in the staples of what we use right in this industry and so to that end of you know okay so let me let me break this down in terms of like what lawn care folks might understand a little bit better two years ago you could have ordered a zero turn and probably had it in four weeks if it wasn't something that they had in inventory right that was pretty fair to say that same mower today if you ordered it paid for it today you're not going to get it until maybe april right maybe a little bit later and that is what we're trying to sound the alarm on is that is the way for the most part that fertilizer is going to be, right? It is going to be something that you have to pre-plan, pre-buy and have all of your stuff together when it comes to planning out your program for a year. Now, the other thing I'll say too is this, is that nobody is also thinking about the agronomic side of this is, okay, you're used to buying X, whatever that fertilizer is. Uh, what if you can't get it? What if the company that, you know, that did, did blend it before can't make it? What are your options, right? And from an agronomic and a business perspective, what else is out there in the marketplace that you could use, right? And are you sure that you're using the right stuff? Because now with input costs as high as they are and are going to be, right, do you have a proper plan in place to put this all together, right? To stay profitable in a world where you're getting basically you know, beaten up on both sides of this, right? You can't increase your prices enough to handle labor and the impacts that you're having there. You can't increase your prices enough to handle the input side of things and where things are going there. So we get it. We certainly do. It's just, you know, you got to figure out what your plan is. And if you don't know, then you ought to reach out. So anyhow, 
gentlemen, my question to you is like, what, you know, we've talked about pre-ordering, pre-buying. Let's talk about strategies and everything there of what, what can be done, but what would you be doing right this minute to make sure that in a year, a year from now, a year from today, you know, November 14th, 2022, you're looking back and saying, man, I made it. I can't believe it somehow, some way, but I made it still in business. We are profitable. What are the steps that you would be taking right now as an LCO? Thinking outside, I, I thinking you outside exactly. your realm, Ray, a little bit too. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I, w- I would say this is um, a, a couple of things, right? If I was talking to, uh, to, to blenders right now with the intent of, of getting material blended, if I could not get bags of urea, which are going to be starting hard to get uh, control of, I would be negotiating with my blenders. Well, first off, let me make this clear. If I've been running strong agronomic programs up to this point, I'm okay running nitrogen-only programs for at least the next two to three years, right? No problem there. I've been doing everything that I've supposed to have been doing up to this point. I can go nitrogen-only, and it's not going to bite me in the asset too much from an LCO perspective, right? Beyond that, I would be negotiating with my blenders that if I can't get straight urea, can I get a 20-0-0? Can you blend me a 20-0-0 that I can buy? That way, my, my nitrogen demand is only half, right? And that may behoove them to move a little bit. You see what I'm saying? Like, instead of coming in and saying, hey, I need six pallets of 46-0-0, right? And they may be like, oh, man, it's tight supply on that. And we'll be like, okay, look, give me, give me six pallets of 20-0-0, and I'll figure out how to make it work kind of sort of thing, right? Okay, well, my demand on that is actually only three pallets of urea, uh, and I've blended it down in a in a fifty fifty with filler, right? And now I've got a twenty zero zero. And perspective, I can still run a nitrogen only program. I'm putting less demand on my blender, um, and uh, it's it's going to be a little bit cheaper product for me as well, too, right? So I'm of the mindset to start negotiating with your blenders or suppliers, whoever you buy from, right now. Start negotiating with them on how can you make their life a little bit easier and still be taken care of to be able to go treat your customers. Because my fear right now is not having anything to go put on my customers' lawns except micronutrients. Ray, what do you think? I no, I I totally agree in that by the way. This has just been the story of my life uh, pre-pandemic in that I've had to be very creative as far as what I use to achieve my agronomic targets. Because, you know, for example, that is why I'm very good at formulating and applying using just technical materials. Because what sometimes hits me is even my beloved triple 20. What if I told you that in the state of Hawaii, it's possible for there to be none available? Zero. So I've had to get very good at, you know, hitting my agronomic targets and uh, improvising, so to speak. And my improvisation, thankfully, takes me into using materials that are normally not in very high demand uh, due to their cost or their uh, difficulty of utilization. So, 
you know, because in other words, my fertilizer programs are not necessarily easy button, you know, L for lush, G for, you know, grow and uh, S for shit. You put down too much and you lost your job. <laughs> you know, my, my programs are a lot more nuanced than that. <laughs> Yeah, and I I think that's like all those things are going to come into real focus because, you know, the reality is is that you're going to have folks in a couple different scenarios when this all comes to pass. You're going to have people that, you know, um, whether it's on their own or with help, um, navigate through this process and make it through successfully and still profitably and still have customers that are happy, right? You're going to have the other folks mm-hmm. that uh, unfortunately don't understand their numbers and get themselves into a situation where they lose their ass, you know, and, and maybe it's too late before they realize that it's happening and uh, who knows what happens from there. And then yet the other thing I think is going to happen, and you're going to see this in the marketplace and whether people are ready to uh be wary of this or not you're going to have uh folks whether it be distributors manufacturers and or just you know operators that are taking a uh a shortcut right and using products that are either substandard not you know um not necessarily reducing rates i think everybody is probably going to have to take some of that on the chin this year just in terms of you know, the agronomics and where we're at with supply side and everything like that, but just using inferior products and hoping for the best results and not sure that that's going to take place. So. Yeah, Cause if you've got to go put something on a lawn to turn it green and you don't have nitrogen, what are you going to do? What are you going to put down? And you can't get, you can't get phosphorus. So like map or dap is out of the question to get nitrogen down to turn it green. Potassium doesn't turn grass green. So what the hell do you do? The only thing you can oh, do is, is is what you're going to spray iron on it every app. I thought I thought wait I thought there was like a blue green that came from the potassium. Am I wrong about that? Oh, I re- I heard that somewhere. Turf truth. Is yes and no. Up. Ah, yes and no ah, because I'm uh, kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Joke. I, am, I am too. Me too. Because you know what I you know what I'm gonna what I'm gonna be asking for and finding out about. What yeah. is my current price on a 50-pound bag of potassium nitrate? I'm going to be finding that out in the next week or two because, or my, my first question will be to uh, my nutrient people is, may I even order and receive a bag of potassium nitrate? Because that is an example of one of those less frequently used technical materials that are not in very high demand. But agronomically, that is what I consider a real powerhouse. 13045, uh, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what you're going to have to find with folks is that it, you're you're going to be using some products that are not uh, familiar to you right and I'll, I'll be quite honest i think it's going to be not familiar to a lot of your sales reps too yep you know things like that and so again actually um, they, they know me they know me well i know they know Ryan. you but i'm talking about the, <laughs> the 
to use uh you know to to quote jay pink the uh, the royal we right i think you're gonna have a lot of folks out there in the world that are getting sold on oh yeah you know i think you can use some potassium nitrate what's the analysis on that uh it's got some potassium in it and some nitrate in it and that's what i know and that's what you're going to hear from from sales reps so not trying to bash sales reps i'm just saying that you know a lot of a lot of lawn care sales is based on bread and butter right bread and butter products that mm. everybody uses or everybody's comfortable with and everything like that and i can tell you from working with a ton of lawn lawn care guys and this is no indictment on them this is just you know i get it like it makes sense for your business you do what you got to do but you get them off script or outside their playbook and they get very uh unconfident very very quickly and that's not a place to be in if you operate a business especially if you're trying to do it do so profitably so i think you know for our part uh be interested to hear questions of folks you know as they listen to this of you know what they're hearing what they're seeing uh if they start asking questions and i would legitimately ask questions hey if i wanted to pre-buy you know a truckload of what i normally get you know today can i get it and what's my pricing going to be right and what's the pricing going to be after say january 1st you know so start poking around and asking questions i think that's the number one thing is now it's time to get your homework done and like what matt's saying maybe even have that conversation with you know folks that you can get financing from your bank whatever to make them understand that you know you are in a situation now where you know waiting for all the cash to come in from that last round to buy your next round of product and just being able to call up your rep and have it there the following week or the week of even like that shit ain't going to be going on very much uh if at all especially once we get past you know may i would say maybe june something like that don't you guys agree 100 percent um Gentlemen, I just want to take a moment out of this to thank our our sponsors. This week's sponsors is again is going to be our patrons. Our patrons, without y'all, there's no way we'd be able to get this done. Thank you so much for everything you do. It allows us to be able to do this. It's what is allowing us to be able to do an extra episode this week. Um, and and you know, with with the patron money, we're going to continue to put on in person events and uh, and we're going to up, up, upgrade the uh, the the quality of what what we produce, the content we produce, and uh, hopefully one day we'll be able. <laughs> my brain is going a million miles an hour with somewhere between panic and excitement right now. Um, hopefully uh, one day be able to continue to uh, uh, increase the, the amount of content we, we put out as well. So I want to thank you. Um, and also our international members, gentlemen, I don't know if y'all know this, but behind the United States, Australia is number two in our listenership. Uh, Canada is number three. New Zealand, number four, Denmark. I mean, we're, we're getting like large numbers from these countries. Uh, the UK, mm. Poland, Bulgaria, Germany, India, uh, Mexico, Italy, Ireland, France, God. and uh, uh, Turkey. So, uh, you know, gentlemen, when I say we're worldwide, we are worldwide. And, uh, and you know, it's not like I've got one uh, download that are, that are uh, coming from those places. I'm, I'm talking hundreds of downloads a month are coming from around the world right now. And, uh, and you know, you patrons, y'all have made us worldwide. We, we rely on, uh, on y'all to be able to do that. So thank you so much for the support you show, uh, for, the, for the support for the show. Um, and for anybody that's listening out there, if you do want to support the show, wherever you listen to us, whether it be YouTube or 
um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I know a lot of our listeners come from Apple Podcasts. Almost a third of our listeners come from Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave us a five-star review. That helps with the algorithm. We're here to beat the algorithm of these major companies because what the hell? Why not? Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. That's right. Give us a five-star a five-star review, and uh, and you know you can say whatever you want in the review. You could tell them that 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 we lick uh, we lick balls, and uh, you could tell them that you hate us. But as long as you leave a a five-star review, that's all we care about. So thank you for all the support. <laughs> we truly appreciate it. Now we're gonna get into this week's burnt. Tell you what, there is no shortage of fertilizer for Sheila. She's always going to have plenty of fertilizer coming at her. <laughs> Sheila <laughs> is fertilized to the absolute gills. She's got roots <laughs> going to uh, going somewhere special. That's for sure. That's not a runny nose, Sheila. All right, let's go, <laughs> uh, gentlemen. Uh, China is in the news for nothing really to be. Um, <laughs> is China there any good news? Me. Is there any good news coming China, out of China? No. And, no. and China is no. <laughs> fascinating to me, right? Because you 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 hear about these uh, these investment strategies they've had. They have, like, for instance, uh, the investment strategy in Africa with uh, you know mineral rights and all that fun stuff. And here we see one of those that took place in Sri Lanka. And for those of you that don't know, we covered yeah. this on a previous episode. Sri Lanka had voted to become. Uh, a 100% organic fertilizer producing country, right? No synthetic fertilizer allowed, no pesticides allowed. It was organic and that was the way they were going to be doing it. So what they ended up doing, and uh, I'll read from here, shipload of toxic Chinese fertilizer causes diplomatic stank. Why is a ship carrying cargo refusing to leave Sri Lankan waters despite being asked to do so by authorities? The answer is crucial shipment gone horribly wrong, leading to a rare diplomatic tussle between two close allies, the blacklisting of a bank, and a group of farmers and scientists up in arms. The ship in question, the Hippo Spirit, departed China in September carrying 20,000 tons of much-needed organic fertilizer to Colombo. The order was placed after the Sri Lankan government suddenly stopped all chemical fertilizer imports in May. <laughs> It's the first consignment of Colombo's plans to purchase 100,000 tons of organic fertilizer from Seawind Biotech Group, a Chinese company specializing in seaweed-based fertilizer at a cost of $49.7 million. Well, the problem is, is that they tested the material that arrived, and we have identified bacteria which are harmful to plants like carrots and potatoes. They insist that since the cargo has implications for the biosecurity of the country, it cannot be accepted. The decision has triggered an angry rebuttal from Qingdao Seawind. It has accused Sri Lankan media of using terms like toxic garbage pollution and other derogatory words to slander the image of the Chinese enterprises and the Chinese government. Please protect <laughs> communism at all costs, they said. Um, as, the, <laughs> as the country controversy escalated, a court ordered the state-owned People's Bank to stop payment of the $9 million for the cargo already waiting entry. The Chinese embassy in Columbia, uh, Colombo responded by blacklisting the bank for not honoring the payment to the company. But under pressure, this is one of the most important pieces of this entire thing. However, some in Sri Lanka have questioned the government's ability to withstand Chinese pressure tactics. Beijing has loaned billions of dollars to the country as part of its Belt and Road Initiative to build infrastructure in Asia. However, not all the funding has worked in Sri Lanka's favor. For example, in 2017, China Merchants Port Holdings took a majority share with a 99-year lease, 
lease in the strategically important Hambantota port after Colombo struggled to repay the debt incurred to build it. Some Western analysts believe that Sri Lanka has walked into a Chinese debt trap. But Sri Lankan officials insist that despite China's financial muscle, no organic fertilizer that violates the current regulations will be allowed into the country. We have categorically told the company that they could take the product back to China and send fresh samples from another batch. If it passes regulatory standards, definitely they will be able to send another consignment of fertilizer. There we have it, boys. Hey, that's just good business, as some people say, right? Well, but isn't this, this is, okay, maybe the, 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 the terms in which this all came about aren't uh, the same. Maybe they're a little bit more similar, but this is going to be the kind of shit that happens, guys. This is going to be people passing off and saying, oh, it's fine. It's no big deal, right? You know, and whether it's a physical or a chemical thing, you know, oh, hey, you know what? Yeah, you can use, you know, 320 to 400 SGN fertilizer on turf. Yeah, it's fine. Go for it, you know? And you look at the physical implications of that, right? Chemically, hey, if you know seaweed extract, seaweed extract, who you know who cares, right? If it's boutique enough, right, and it ends up with a fancy label on it, you know, feel good story on YouTube that you know makes the hairs on the back of your sack stand up, then hey, by golly, go buy it. But do you know where that shit's really coming from? And then even if it was good before, are those folks having to make concessions, right? To still have the same product? And are they gonna be letting you know that, hey, you know, yeah, we switched suppliers on you know, or seaweed this year and blah, 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 blah. This is the cascading effect of what's about to happen. This kind of stuff. So, you know, kudos to Sri Lanka for standing up. Now, how long they can do it, I don't know. Hard telling. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a microcosm of what we have to do. J-Pink, can you go back to the article real quick? I want to make sure that I heard something correctly in that top piece there. Right there. Uh, go down a little bit. Go down a little bit. Keep going, keep going. Where they talk about that they they took it out. There was a vessel that they took it out in, and it was named something funny. Give me a control F on the vessel. Oh, it, oh yeah. yeah, that was up at the yeah, top. The, the hippo. Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that that's either the vessel that this stuff came in, or that is like the number two OnlyFans account in the BBW category. One of those two <laughs> could go either way, Ray. What do you think? You ever you ever surf around on the BBW tag out there? Actually, you know what? I think nope. number one was actually gross tonnage, and then Hippo Spirit came in second. <laughs> Just the way that it is right now. So, anyhow, what do you think, Ray? You know, what I think is this is just your typical, you know, I'm going to say it, the lovely Chinese way of doing business. And here's how China works. Internally, domestically, you can't do that because you fuck over the consumer within People's Republic of China. You may be executed for it. But if you screw over. <laughs> death. death. We did it. A, yeah. But if you screw over a foreign customer, there's no big deal. There's no problem because. Had this manufacturer or entity tried to pass off, you know, adulterated or unsuitable fertilizer to a farmer within China, uh, he might not be alive in six months. 
because the penalty for fraud in China is rather severe. I think they're all rather severe, Ray. No, but but for but business fraud in China is special because in the United States, your reputation's tarnished. You may pay a small fine, uh, but in China, it's a, a single bullet to the back of your head in the forest. Or the execution van. And for, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, the execution van, seriously, type it into um, type it into uh, it Wikipedia. Laughing. Yeah. The execution van, also called the Mobile Execution Unit, was developed by the government of the People's Republic of China and was first used in 97. The prisoner was strapped to a stretcher and executed inside the van. The van allows death sentences to be carried out without moving the prisoner to an execution ground. And easy to harvest organs, mind you. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Procurement. Holy so, smokes. Yeah, I would say nobody nobody wants to be on the on the accusatorial arm of uh sending out a bunch of tainted organic fertilizer with bacteria that could harm potatoes and carrots. What if they got sold internally? What would happen? Execution van. You sell it externally? Yeah. Hell, I don't know. You may get promoted. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what goes yeah, on over that, there. How, how do you, that, how do you that, say? How, how do you say in Mandarin? Uh, hey, these carrots taste like uh, toxic bacteria to you, or just me? But that is just uh, the it's dichotomy. Execution ban. Yeah. Yeah. But that is the dichotomy of, you know, doing business with China. And, you know, as you all know, I don't have any special issues with buying something that is made in China. But here is the big caveat. Oh, boy. Okay, my caveat is that the product or item that I buy must be intended for domestic consumption within China. And you know why? Uh, because why? what gets uh, classified as export worthy is going to be of a uh, lower caliber. Yes, yes, exactly, Matt. Because uh, if it's for domestic consumption, the person making that product, you know, he's under the gun. It's like this shit had better be good because. If it is thought that this is a bogus product or this is intended to rip people off, the execution van might be coming for me. <laughs> hey, well, hey, you know, it's nice to know I live in a country where we have food trucks and not execution vans. I feel pretty good about that. That's my my way of feeling better about everything we talked about here during this article. Yes, yes. I mean, absolutely. And although. I kind of wish in some cases that uh, right. What are you doing? We'd uh, we'd kind of flip that and say, bugger the food trucks. No, I I want the uh, the mobile execution vans. Uh, you got, okay. you got yeah, you got you got Hannibal Lecter <laughs> walking up to the side of the here. <laughs> Give me some liver. Our next article here is going to be coming out of Florida. This is a county to pursue possibility of stricter fertilizer regulations. The Hernando Sun, I believe this is going to be Hernando, Florida. I was in Hernando County. County. 
Yeah, uh, commissioners at the October 26, 2021 Board of County Commissioners, the BOCC, meeting voted to move forward with scientific and economic analysis to determine whether or not Hernando County should apply tighter restrictions to the current fertilizer ordinance. Ordinance. For those of you that are not familiar with the current ordinance uh, that kind of uh, encapsulates a lot of of uh, Southern Florida is... The prohibition of fertilizer application during flooding or during a tropical storm hurricane watch or warning prior to seeding or sodding and for the first 30 days after seeding or sodding, with some exceptions, uh, restricts fertilizer application during the season of plant dormancy from January 1st to March 31st and is limited to trained and certified applicators using slower control release fertilizer. Fertilizer application is prohibited to, uh, within 10 feet of a water body or seawall or three feet with specialized equipment. I'm sorry, this is not like South Florida. This is their own local area here. This is completely no. different than what you see in SoFlo or uh, the, the Gulf area. Um, the current ordinance does meet the minimum uh, requirements for the Wiki Wachi uh, Basin Management Action Plans for outstanding Florida Springs. However, according to Sakura's legal memo and analysis, the BMAPs furnish some support for additional or more stringent standards regulating fertilizer use, but they do not apply to the entire county boundaries, and they do not include recommendations for prohibited time periods or fertilizer-free zones. Uh, the two main requirements for the adoption of stricter standards are science-based findings that would support a stricter ordinance and economic feasibility of adopting one. All findings must be made public before the new standards could be uh, adopted. <laughs> Uh, uh, Sakura mentioned that legal challenges could be launched in response to a more stringent policy. She cited the city of Naples fertilizer ordinance is currently in court on the basis of preemption or by, uh, by or conflict with the Florida statutes. This case is scheduled for trial next month. The topic of fertilizer regulation was discussed in conjunction with turfgrass regulation, namely the types of grass installed on residential properties that require fertilizer and those that do not. It was stated that St. Augustine grass is known to require copious amounts of water and fertilizer while Bahia grass does not. So uh, here we're seeing, and listen, you know, I hate that the government has to come in and make these kind of restrictions. Um, I'm a big fan of individual liberties, but at the same time, I'm also a big fan of, of uh, protecting our waterways. That's a very important thing to me. And if we all took it upon ourselves to do things as, uh, as accurately as possible and to raise our level of internal industry-wide education, a lot of times we could get out in front of these things and say, well, it's not best management practices. And we, we as a company can show that we don't apply fertilizer to dormant grass between January 1st and March 31st, that we don't apply it within 10 feet of a water body or a seawall. Um, so there's, there's lots of, there's things here that we could do in response or show that we're doing that would eliminate a lot of the, the need for, for government intervention. However, when that's not obvious and nobody's taking the forefront and there's no uh, educational opportunities that are preaching this and beating this into our heads like label is the law kind of sort of thing, then unfortunately, uh, bureaucrats feel it's necessary that, well, if you can't take care of your, yourself, then we can take care of you. That's for certain. And we run into this type of situation here. What are your thoughts, gentlemen? I just th- I think you're going to see more and more of this. I mean, I think that at the local level, you're going to have folks that, like you said, whether they're elected officials trying to impose their will or, you know, pandering to some of the issues that are either real or imagined. I I I don't see this trend right going away. That. Uh, Local governments, political subdivisions, municipalities, all this kind of stuff will want to go over and above what may or may not exist in their state. And 
you know, were at the whim of that, right? So I would say this is, you know, it's something that we've seen here in Ohio and the Midwest is that, um, you know, government advocacy is a, a hugely undersold thing on in our industry right now, particularly, you know, for lawn care um, as, a, as a segment of the turf grass industry, right? Golf has done a pretty good job. Sports turf lagging a little bit and lawn care, maybe to a little bit lesser extent, but uh, certainly at the local level, like this is where I'm going to tell you, like some of the simplest stuff that you can do to prevent this is meet, introduce, uh, introduce yourself to these elected officials and talk to them about what you do. Talk to them about how, how important it is to have these tools and all the training and the education and everything that you need to have to be successful in this industry. Right. And the last thing is if you do have, shitbag operators out there that are doing stuff wrong that aren't um you know practicing you know like ray and i always talk about the four r's right of nutrient stewardship that aren't doing those types of things don't be afraid to call them out right whether it's a you know a direct call or whether it's reporting them if you have to but those are the type of people that we need to weed out i know we sit here and rag on all the the people on YouTube and everything like that that do it, but there's a reason behind it. Like there's an absolute reason is because whether that is again, real or imagined, right? The perception is, is that we're a bunch of shit bags as a whole when nothing further from the truth could exist, right? As an industry, I think we're very, very well uh, self-policed to do the right thing for the most part. However, there are people, right? And uh, perceptions out there that work very much against us. And so, we got to get out in front of that. We got to do a better job and hold people accountable, right? So don't be afraid to introduce yourself to those elected officials. They love to talk to constituents. They love to hear about how successful your business is going and all that kind of stuff. And it's your job to educate them on why we need to have this stuff. Ray, what do you think? Are you going to run for uh, Honolulu County Commissioner? What do you think? Oh, Ray, I, I, 2022. I, I stand the. No, I stand the snowball's chance in hell. I stand the snowball's chance in hell because no, not if because, I'm your campaign manager, Ray. I'll make no, it happen. Because I'm ra- no, I'm rational. I'm reasonable. I'm science based. I'm not necessarily emotion based. However, uh, first bit of in- misinformation that I spot in that article is that. St. Augustine requires a lot of fertilizer. I am going to call bullshit on that. Do you know why I'm going to call bullshit on that? Why is that? It's because typically I maintain St. Augustine here in Hawaii with a pound or less of nitrogen per year. It simply doesn't need it. The only time somebody thinks that St. Augustine needs as much nitrogen as it's being given is if you have a transplant from the Midwest that thinks that it's funny and cool to over-fertilize their St. Augustine. And I'm not going to name names right now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go nutty, Ray. (laughs) I won't. (laughs) Um, in, in this, in this, in this same vein, uh, finally an agriculture guy got caught, uh, instead of just lawn care guys doing some wishy-washy things out there. And Uh this headline reads the EPA finds pesticide applicator for alleged 
violations of federal pesticide law on Kansas farms. Uh, the EPA penalized Nutrient Act solutions for allegedly Aww. applying pesticides that were canceled by the federal government and applying them in a manner inconsistent with the product's labeling. The Colorado-based company, which sells, distributes, and applies pesticides mainly for farming operations, will pay $668,100. It's critical that uh, pesticide applicators follow labeling requirements to prevent off-site movement of pesticides that can damage non-target crops. Um, in 2020, EP canceled the use of certain pesticides containing the active ingredient dicamba in response to a Ninth Circuit Court order vacating the registration of those products. However, Nutrient Ag didn't feel so convinced that that, was, uh, that that applied to them. And so in violation of FIFRA, it alleged used two dicamba products in a manner inconsistent with the approved label on at least 27 occasions in violation of the agent's cancellation order. Further, the EPA alleged the company violated the law on 33 occasions when it applied other dicamba products on multiple Kansas farms during periods of high wind speeds in violation of pesticide label requirements. Nutrient Ag Solutions has taken steps to address the alleged violations, including conducting trainings on on pesticide applications, working with pesticide applicators to comply with label and other requirements, and improving its record-keeping practices. Wow. The biggest fertilizer company in the United States is out there not doing the right thing with dicamba. You know, when you're out there for one day and one day alone, some uh, one day only, sometimes you just got to get it done no matter what the wind conditions are. <laughs> am I right or am I right? Gentlemen, we're burning through time here. Let's go ahead and move into this week's returns. Let's do it. La, 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 la. This was sent to me by our beloved Aldo. Oh uh, a local hemp seed farmer gives away 100,000 marijuana and hemp seeds across the Commonwealth. Out of Ro- Roanoke, Virginia, Campbell County hemp farmer Jonathan Zinsky, along with the Wellness Roanoke Collaborative, uh, collaborated, collaborated, boys, I'm struggling, to distribute cannabis and hemp seeds to people across the Commonwealth. People lined up and expressed excitement that something like this was even taking place in Roanoke. Cannabis is a controversial topic in the Commonwealth. Just last year, the uh, Virginia General Assembly decriminalized adult possession and legalized adult possession of marijuana up to one ounce and up to four homegrown plants. Co-owner of the West in Roanoke, Valerie Engel, sees the seed giveaway as an opportunity to change negative perspectives. I hope that for po- political and societal perspectives, they will shift in cannabis for the opportunities to convert. Legislators and people in the government will decisions that will affect millions of people. Uh, so here we go. It's, it's estimated that it was 500,000. Wow. I'll tell you wow. what. Tell you what, though. Listen to this. Go back. J-Pink, go back up. And I want to make sure that I got this guy's names right because I, I, I was thought something like go back up all the way to the top. Campbell County hemp farmer Jonathan's. Oh, dude, this is so perfect, isn't it? Guys, it's Johnny Chronic Seed, right? He's going to put the pot <laughs> on his head, which is perfect, and he's going to go around the countryside spreading out the Chronic Seed. Bless this individual, right? So they'll write stories about him. They're going to tell stories about him in 100 years in school. Dadgum, you remember when Johnny Chronic Seed 
he was going around the country. People were getting high as fuck because of this guy. Never seen anything like it before or since. Guy had hit every stop, but he could find a Carl's Jr. or a fucking Taco Bell. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Johnny Chronic Seed. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks to Johnny Chronic Seed, the entire nation is now ionospheric. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Johnny is the only pilot that is left that can still fly the Concorde. And he will take you on a fucking ride, ladies and gentlemen. So, hey, <laughs> yeah. kudos to this guy. Auto, thanks for sharing so much. What's our next return? Uh, let's see here. This next one is uh, this is a real good, feel good story, and I and I, I love to see this because I hate when bureaucracy bureaucracy uh, inhibits kids from being able to experience the things that we experience as kids. That uh, you know. Hopefully let us lead them into the industry that we so love and, and dear. Uh, New Jersey yeah. youngsters can now can no longer be shaken down by local governments when they want to what? sell sidewalk lemonade. Uh, Governor Phil Murphy signed a measure into law Monday that allows enterprising children looking to make a few bucks to operate a pop-up business without municipal permits or licenses. Hard to believe for sure, but dozens of states still make the summertime pastime illegal without local government approval. What? Health code violations and child labor laws are concerns officials in those states claim. New Jersey joined nearby New York and Connecticut in calling BS on that. There's an endless stream of stories from around the nation about children being harassed by local officials for running lemonade stands without permits. Uh, instead of providing space for kids to learn about entrepreneurship, they're taught harsh lessons about the heavy, -handed, uh, heavy hand of government by overzealous bureaucrats. They already also sponsored a right to shovel law enacted in 2016 after a pair of teenagers were stopped by police and told they couldn't go door to door during snowstorms <laughs> to offer their services. Nobody's getting sick because a six-year-old lemonade stand didn't get a health inspection. Unfortunately, those are the exact excuses this town has used to put the smackdown on entrepreneurial kids from coast to coast. It's absolute nonsense. It should never be been tolerated in New Jersey, and I'm pleased that Governor Murphy agrees. What's great about this is that not only does it put the kibosh on this idea that you have to get a license to sell lemonade, now you can mow lawns without a damn permit too. So here we go. Get out of the way. Let these kids go earn some sweat equity, bust their nuts, get a real taste of what the market looks like. I don't know. I'm, I'm happy. Hey, this is a, it's an individual liberty win, right, Matt? Like all the... It is. Every libertarian bone liberty, in your body is 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 just yeah, for these and, kids. I love and it. And you know what? And you know what else uh, is like tickling my my bone? The oh, wow free enterprise the free enterprise bo bone bone. Yeah. Okay, the free the free enterprise bone because uh, my father, you know, he has a he had a very politically incorrect name for me. What's that? Father used to call me JJ. 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 What's JJ? What is what does that stand for? Japanese Jew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think there's something mildly something or another that we probably shouldn't discuss of how you develop that nickname, but uh Yeah. I I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, because it was for me, yeah, it, it was always about at the end of the day, I'm going to make money and fuck the government 
telling me I can't as long as I'm not hurting anybody or breaking the law. And I just that, couldn't believe that they had. I to can get behind. Have a, I, I just couldn't believe they had to have a license to do this or a permit. Like, I mean, I understand business permits, all that, but like, the kids, like, I, I don't, you see, don't understand. This is, I'm glad. This, I'm glad they. I'm no, glad they got out of the way, though. There was they. They fixed that because there are literally a lot of states that are full of Karens <laughs> and. Uh, and chances that if they see a kid, you know, doing something like this, they're on the phone with the mayor or the police department reporting that so-called illegal business. I, okay, can't, there's, imagine, there's, there's, I can't imagine being that insufferable of a human being. But you know, No, you see, in, insufferable people are an epidemic. That's why I too despise people, because most of them are Karens. <laughs> well, Gosh. before we round out, let's yeah. let's try and and, re, and 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 do some good for the community, uh, much like these kids are now able to do for their community. And uh, let's check in on our mailbag. You've got mail. Hmm. This one is from Jordan. Jordan lives in Texas, about 30 miles south of Dallas. First home and first year working to get lawn in shape. Having some issues identifying a weed. Thinking it's maybe crabgrass and nutsedge. I put prodiamine down a few weeks ago, but doesn't seem to have done anything. I'm an amateur at best. I'd love to develop a solid lawn plant. I have a recent test from a local extension office. I put down elemental sulfur recently, and in the spring, I plan to put down some citric acid to use AMS based on what I've heard on the show. Appreciate any insight. And here we go. Here's our soil test. Oh, oh. A lot of lot of of, uh, of nitrogen readily available in the soil. We got we got plenty of phosphorus, plenty of potassium, plenty of calcium. Definitely, no, that's a very for those of you that are wondering about high calcium, especially down there in Texas. This is what we're talking about. Of if you're in and around the Dallas area, thirty thousand parts per million of 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 calcium. His soil is three percent calcium. Um. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, really, you're on a nitrogen only yeah. program when it comes to fertilizer, and it's just here's the thing. One of the things I think he's going to run into is dialing in the weed management program, right? Um, mm. because okay, this is Dallas grass. That's not crabgrass. That's Dallas grass. Yep, and, and that's actually <laughs> Dallas grass too, but just thin. Thin tufts of Dallas grass. I don't. I don't think that is nutsedge. No, it's not. It's not oh, to say he doesn't have nutsedge somewhere else, but that's Dallas. That 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 is that's Dallas grass poking up. And do you know what his best friend is going to be if he Tribute has Dallas total. grass? Oh, one more thing, Matt. Uh, manuscript. No. A greens mower. That's a good point. Whoa. That's a good point. Okay, because you know when you have these uninvited, wild, tall-growing, grassy weed species growing in your Bermuda? What these grassy weeds are disfavored by, disadvantaged by, harassed by, and discouraged by is extremely low mowing. And low mowing is actually going to get you 
a lot further or will make the most out of your investment on any kind of herbicide that you try to you know apply because i know tribute is expensive revolver is expensive uh manuscript forget it uh but in the long run if you want to favor your bermuda you need to mow low There you hear it. That that would be a, definitely a contender there. Otherwise, get ready to shell out some coin for any kind of control. Mm -hmm. The other thing you can do, of course, is glyphosate. But understand glyphosate is only going to be moderately effective at, at long-term control of Dallas grass. Um, so you can either do something like Tribute Total. You can do something like Celsius Plus Revolver. Or you can do the manuscript program, uh, which I can't even remember what that looks like. But I think you have to include other herbicides or another surfactant with it um actually it actually I, it I comes do, with it it comes with a surfactant but here's the problem with manuscript it is sold as a box containing several jugs of liquid in it and you're not allowed to break the case and my wholesale price on that package is about six hundred dollars I'll get you. And, okay, in order for manuscript to work on Dallas grass, you're required to make a follow-up application with either Monument or Celsius Plus Revolver. Because manuscript alone is not enough to smack down and kill Dallas grass. It'll turn it purple but it won't kill it. A lot like uh, the old Celsius spray that when they first put it out on the market, you know, they were like, oh yeah, it'll get Dallas grass. And then it was, oh, well, you got to spray it in the fall. And then it was, oh, well, you got to add ammonium sulfate to it. And then it was, oh, well, you got to add revolver to it. And then it was, oh, oh, well, now you got to do all that, but you have to time it just right pretty close to your first frost date. Actually, you know what the beer guys were tap dancing around? The fact, that it didn't to work. Mow, the fact that it doesn't work unless you are mowing low. Because I have no trouble getting rid of Dallas grass. I don't have a problem mowing getting rid at, of it. at a quarter to a half inch. Mm -hmm. And I may or may not have the groomers engaged nowadays. Oh. Set to bite, set to bite down to like, uh, Oh, 50% of cutting height. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> we got some, hey, this guy is an amateur. He just got his mind probably blowing on this. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it'll be when it comes to weed management in the South, it's all about managing, uh, uh, Dallas grass. That's the name of the game. Whether you live here in Tennessee or you live in, te what, it's Texas or it's Tennessee, it's all Dallas grass, baby. Once you figure that out, you'll feel like a superhero and you can literally accomplish anything at that point. So, gentlemen, we're going to wrap this show up. Thank you all for putting up with my absolute freak out. Uh, Ryan, Ray, do y'all have any last thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, no, I just hope that, uh, you know, like I said, the, the history books are kind of Johnny Chronic seed down the road. 
Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget, coming up on Tuesday, we got Princess Cut Lawn Care with a special episode where we'll be uh, having all kinds of fun, uh, uh, asking lots of questions back and forth there. We're going to make a little bit of entertainment out of it. And then on Thursday, Thursday, this Thursday on Thursday. Wait, is it this Thursday or is it next Thursday. Thursday? It's this Thursday. This Thursday on Thursday, Thursday, we have the lawnmower racing guy of lawnmower racing guys. This ain't no joke, gentlemen. We've got, what is it, Redneck Computer Geek? Is it Redneck yeah. Computer yep. Geek? Redneck yep. Computer Redneck Geek Computer on YouTube. Geek. Yep. Big YouTuber. He is a pioneer when it comes to lawnmower racing. We've got him live on the show. Put your questions together. There's going to be a live Q&A, and we're going to have all kinds of fun, drink a lot of beer, and, uh, and crack a lot of Canadian jokes because, well, why not? All right, y'all. We'll catch you on the <laughs> flip side. Have a good one.